All right. Hebrews 13. You ready? Bibles, iPhones, scrolls, whatever you got. Don't trust me. Don't trust me. It's the Word of God that we're looking at. And the the real center statement that we're going to look at today is this. Consider your life. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 5, the prophet said that when you look at what's going on around you, you see what's happening in the world, when you see all that's going down, forget all of that and consider your relationship with God. Where am I in the big picture of this? And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about stopping and thinking. Remember when, when Mary was told by God that she was overshadowed and that she was going to have the Messiah? And she said, but I've never been with a man. And, and they explained the whole thing to her about how she's carrying the Son of God in her womb. And it said Mary pondered all of these things in her heart, pondered, considered, went away and had to give some serious thought to it. I'll be honest, there's not a lot of thinking goes on in our culture today. Now we're told how to think, we're told how to think in school, we're told how to think by the media, we're told how to think by politicians, but if anybody's going to tell us how to think, it ought to be God's Word. Wouldn't you agree with that, Christians? All right. And we need to get alone and consider where we actually are. All right, so we're going to look at nine verses in Hebrews 13. It's an incredible ending to the book. We don't have time to go through all of it, but we're going to look at the highlights of this part. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's Word. All right, it starts off with a statement that begs us to go backwards. He says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Where, where does that come from? Well, if you go back to the end of chapter 12, here's what God says. God says, once before, I spoke and I shook the world. He he said, but I'm going to speak one more time and I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And when I shake the heavens and the earth, you want to be a part of something that is unshakable. And he said, you give thanks, praise, and worship to God that as Christians, you belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God will not burn. The kingdom of God cannot be blown up. The kingdom of God cannot be destroyed in an earthquake or a hurricane. The kingdom of God stands firm. And he said, as a result of the fact that you and I, regardless of our differences, what we have in common is our belief in Jesus and that we have a kingdom that we belong to that is far superior to anything this world has to offer. Amen? One that will never be shaken. As a result of that, love your brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. There's an interaction between the spirit world and our world. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated... As if you yourself were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we will say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? 
Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not, therefore, be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by the eating of ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. You can be seated. All right. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you hear a preacher, and it'll be couched one of two ways. They'll say, oh, I've got a new word from God. I've got a new revelation from God. Eh. No. No. There's only one revelation from God, and you're holding it in your hand. He does not have, she does not have a gift that you do not have. All right? That's number one. Number two, they won't say that. They'll just say, um, well, I think it's pretty obvious by the culture that this is what's right. And they won't refer to a scripture at all. We just know that this is what's right. Any loving person knows that this is what's right. And then you say, well, what about this verse? And what about this verse? They don't want to, they don't want to deal with that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Rock solid. Rock solid. You don't have to wonder. Did he change his mind about marriage? Did he change his mind about forgiveness? Did he change his mind? No, he didn't change his mind about anything, including heaven and hell. He did not change his mind. He said there's one way to be saved through Jesus. And you listen to all these people come out on TV, all these so-called uh, Hollywood stars. Well, you know, there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. Okay. So you can decide, do I trust Jesus or do I trust Oprah when it comes to my eternal destiny? And sadly, sadly, about 70% of America trust Oprah. I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I don't, you believe what you want. I don't even trust her with, with makeup, but let alone am I going to trust her with, you know... I don't watch any of those shows. I don't pay any attention to any of that. But I read the articles and I'm like, Oprah said or the Kardashians said. And I'm like, why do I care? Why is this a news story? Uh, if they were to put, well, you know, this is what Jesus said. Well, that would be, that would carry some weight with me. I'm astounded by how easily people are fooled when it tells us that Jesus is consistent. You don't have to worry about a new revelation. The rules aren't going to change. The blood of Jesus forgives us just like it for, has forgiven everybody throughout history. The story of Jesus never changes. And the same way they were saved in the first century is the same way people are being saved today all over the world. By accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins, being baptized into Christ, and getting up and living a new life for Jesus. The message does not change. So what is my job? My job is to stop and to consider where I am. So he starts off by saying, consider love. He says, just a blanket statement, keep loving your brothers and sisters. You know, there are people in this room that probably disagree with each other on a multitude of topics. But what binds us together? Jesus, the Word of God. 
We have different opinion about parenting. We have differences of opinion about finances. We have different opinions about politicians. We have different opinions about people. We've got all kinds of things. But all of that is set aside because what we have is a consistent membership in a kingdom that is unshakable. Therefore, keep on loving your brothers and sisters. But God, he thinks different than I do. Yeah. My dad thinks differently than I do. My sister, my brother, they both think differently than I do. Because we're not meant to be puppets. It's okay. It's okay. We get so tense in our culture today. It is okay that everybody's not in lockstep with me. I mean, I don't understand why you're not in lockstep with me. But, but the command is not for me to try to pound you down or you to pound me down, but it is for you and me to love each other. And the word that is used there is Philadelphia. There's, there's a bunch, there's five different words for love in the Greek language. Uh, eros is a sexual love and, and storge is a, like a professional kind of love and agape is a godly kind of love. But the word that is used here is Philadelphia. And I always think it's funny that Philadelphia is one of the dangerous places in the world, but nonetheless, it is the city of brotherly love. That's, that's what the, the word means. And, um, and that's the word that is used here, that we are to love one another like brothers and sisters. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we're not to love each other in sexual ways. It means that we're not to love each other in wrong ways, but we are to love one another the same way we would love a brother. You know, there's times my brother makes me mad. There's times I make my brother mad. But no matter what we do to each other, we're always brothers. And if I were you, I wouldn't get between us. That's a bad place to be, regardless of where we're at at the moment. If you were to come between our family, the two brothers would unite very quickly. That's what's supposed to happen in the body of Christ. But this idea of love transcends far beyond that. He says, love one another. We take care of one another in the body of Christ. And how do we do that? He says, if a guy's in prison, what Jesus say? Go visit him. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's naked, clothe him. If he needs a drink of water, get him a drink of water. He said, all of those things. Now, in this context, he's speaking specifically about the church. We are to take care of each other. You see someone suffering, you treat them as if it was you suffering. What can I do to come along beside you and help you through this suffering? Can I bring dinner? Can I make phone calls? Can I step in and just sit with you? What is it that I need to do? It's about the church looking out for each other. But then the picture is that once we've done that, we will expand those borders. Because if all we do is take care of each other and say, well, the world is on its own. We just told the world they can go to hell. We don't care about you. So the principle starts in the church, but then it expands. So we've got people who are hungry. We've got people who are lonely. We've got people who are full of anxiety. We've got people with marriage problems. And then he gets to that core issue and he says, marriage. You see that? See that pop up in verse 4? Marriage is to be treated with respect. Notice that all fits into the love category there. It's all a part of love to love your spouse. And I always thought it was crazy in Ephesians 5 when Paul said, Husbands, love your wives and wives, respect your husbands. 
And then I got married. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And if, if you're newly married and you haven't figured that out yet, you'll get there. Sometimes, sometimes we're really hard to love, aren't we? Let's be honest. Now, some, maybe some of you are perfect. Maybe there's a couple of perfect marriages. Please come see me. We'll sign you up for the counseling ministry. Because we can use about a thousand people like you. Well, respecting my husband, that won't be hard. Well, wait till you're married for a while. You find out how difficult this is. Now, how do I know this is a problem? Well, I'm not sure I believe all the stats that are spit out, but the, the latest stats I saw, the divorce rate in America is 50%. Second marriage, 75%. Third marriage, 90%. How are we doing? Now, it's a little lower in the church. But here's the statistics under this COVID thing, which, again, you need to understand. Regardless of what, how it got here, what it is, I'm not here to talk about conspiracy theories. I'm just telling you the outcome. The outcome is driving people to isolation, anxiety, depression, suicide. The suicide uh, numbers are far, far greater than the COVID deaths in every state. But those aren't getting reported. And the destruction of the family unit. Divorce is up 34% since COVID started. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm, this is just me trying to help you, okay? So they say that one of the biggest problems is money. Okay. So the two of you living in that house don't have enough money. So now you're going to have two houses. I'm not an economist. I just want you to think through this. That just does not seem to work when you put pencil to paper. All right? Is anybody with me? Does that make sense to anybody? All right. That's just an economic thing. But what I want to point out here is that you made a commitment to Jesus. You made a commitment to your family and to your friends to figure out how to make this marriage work. Remember when we talked about for better or for worse, some dope stood in front of you and made that statement. And you're kind of laughing like, yeah, how hard could this marriage thing be? For better or worse, sickness and in health, richer, poor. We went through all that, right? Tough times, you name it. We're going to face all of it, but we have a responsibility to stick in there. Now, if you're divorced, again, I'm not beating you up. We love you. We'll help you. We want you to heal. We want you to, if God wants you in a, in a, in a solid relationship, that he would provide that again. But what we got to do right now is stop the, stop the crisis. Stop what's going on. Some of you may be in marriage trouble right now, and you don't even know it. Only one of you is aware of what's going on. That's why those marriage books are out there. That's why the counseling class is out there. And listen, forgiveness is always the answer in a marriage. It has to be. It has to be. So what am I suggesting? I'm suggesting what the Scripture says. Consider love. Go sit on your porch, go sit at the beach, and say, God, I need to ponder some things. I need to think about how I've been treating some Christian friends. I need to think about how I've been treating my kids. I need to think about how I've been treating others that are hurting and suffering. And i got to think about how I'm treating my spouse. There's some things i got to deal with. Now look at this verse, Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bear with one another in love. 
Well, Matthew, if you would, leave that up there on the screen. I want you to take a look at this. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Maybe this bothers you that your pastor's honest, but that's okay. I'm, I'm 0 for 4. Let's take a look again. Be completely humble. I'm out. <clears throat> Gentle? Nope. A lot of things. That would not be where you'd put me. Patient? No. Bearing with one another in love? A chance. A chance. Now, what I want you to see is none of this is natural. Not one word on that screen is natural behavior. Left to myself, you will never see any of these things. The only way you produce this kind of character is when you let God change your life. When you let God change your heart. When you say, God, I can't treat people this way. I can't act this way in my marriage. I need to learn these four principles and to put them to practice in my life because they don't come naturally. And you know what else? If I had a dollar for every time somebody said this dumb statement to me, the kids are going to be so much better after we get divorced. A lot of you are sitting here and your kids, you are product. You grew up in that home of the divorce. Now tell me how much better your life was. Have I said enough? I didn't tell you the joke yet, did I? Maybe this is a good, maybe this is a good, maybe this is the good place to loosen things up just a little bit. Okay? I, it's, I'm a little ashamed. Um, I was mugged this week. Never been mugged before. I was, I was mugged by six dwarfs. And we, we have them, I think. Do we have the, we, yes, there they are. It was, it was a little embarrassing. In fact, not happy. You're like, when's he going to tell the joke? I know, I get it, I get it. When's he going to actually tell the joke? Yeah, okay. I got you. All right. All right, let me tell you what we offer. On December 4th, uh, we do a marriage event every year, and we do it in June. Well, June didn't happen this year. Uh, so we're going to do it December 4th. It's going to be a Christmas wedding. This is free. This is for anyone here that's not married. Uh, very simply put, I'm going to give you the, the biblical parameters. Bible is between, the Bible, a biblical marriage is between a man and a woman, period, end of sentence, done. Okay? So we will do, we will do anybody's wedding. Um, you may have a white man, you may have a black man, you may have a white woman, but all qualified to do your wedding. So we're, when we're cutting down a whole bunch of trees here at, at one time. And there is no questions asked. If they're outside the church, inside the church, your cousins, your friends, they just have to register online December 4th. Now, if, if you've not been to this, let me explain. You, they get their own wedding. They will have, we provide the marriage license, we provide the dress, we provide the personal cake, we provide the photographer, we provide everything because we want you to be right in your relationship with God. Okay? Now, here's the deal with this one. This one you only can do online. We need volunteers to help run the event and we need uh, there's already four committed to getting married. We can take as many as 15. How it works is every 15 minutes, there's a wedding. And, but but it's, you get the full treatment. It's not a mass wedding. It will be you and your spouse having a wedding. It's a very, very special time. So uh, if you're interested in that, you go online and you sign up for that. And that's going to take place December 4th. Okay.
commercial. Now, we move on to the second, the second thing that he talked about. He said, and that is to consider your level of contentment. I'm not sure I've ever sat down and given considerable thought to how content I am. Now, the phrase does not mean that I don't want to improve myself or get better in my life or move up in my company. But when do we find contentment? Now, let's, let's just stay in context with what he's talking about. Well, when I get this new wife, then I'll be content. When I get this next husband, then I'll be content. When I get this much money, I'll be content. When I can get out of this house and get to this house, then I'll be content. When I can go from this car to this car. And he says, be free from the love of money. Because do you see how quickly that became your God? The more successful you became, it was not so that you could expand the kingdom. It was so that you could show off your toys. Let us consider what it means to be content. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I want you to think about this statement. We all want to move up. We want, we want the church to grow. I want your business to grow. I want you to grow. But that's... That, Makes sense. We, we all want that. But am I content where I'm at? Do I go to bed at night saying, God, here's where I am right now. And I want you to know that I'm here to serve you right now where I am with what I have. And if you give me more, we'll move on and do more. But right now, I've got to find contentment to be in that spot where I'm able to be faithful to God. Because if you spend your whole life clawing your way, if you haven't noticed all this stuff that we so badly want, it burns up in a matter of minutes. Take a look at California. Or a storm comes in from the ocean and it's all gone in a split second. Or a tornado. Or you leave in a split second and you leave it all behind. He writes, godliness with contentment. That's where you find great gain. And then at the end of this, so he's talked about, take some time to consider, to ponder, to, to give thought to how I'm doing in this love category. And then how am I doing with my level of contentment? And then how about my own life? That's what we're going to get down to. How about my own life? Where, where am I in this story? Well, I had one more story I was going to tell you. Oh, there it is. Okay. Here's why a lot of people struggle in their life. Okay. The picture behind me is of a man named Dr. George Wald. He won the Nobel Prize uh, in Physiology in 1967. But this is the perfect example of why so many people cannot deal with their own love situations, their own life situations, or their own level of contentment. Listen to what he says. He said, when it comes to the origin of life, we have only two possibilities. One, spontaneous generation arising from evolu to evolution. The other is a supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. Spontaneous generation was scientifically disproved. Now, this guy is an atheist. It was scientifically disproved 100 years ago by Louis Pasteur, Spelanese, Reddy, and others. 
That leads us scientifically to only one possible conclusion, that life arose as a supernatural creative act of God. Then he continues, I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible. Now, there's a guy that maybe ought to go home and think about, he ought to think about where he's at. Consider your life. Where am I with God? I don't know. If you've accepted Jesus, most of you have. A bunch of you have not. If you've not accepted Jesus, you've not repented, you've not been baptized. When we finish, there'll be folks right over here on the right for decisions. The left, if you just need prayer. Um, but this is made new weekend. So we will be, I know it was last weekend, but 40 mile an hour um, gust and undertow. And Pastor Kerry thought if somebody was like blown to Flagler that that would be a bad thing. So we, uh, so we rescheduled for this week. It's only supposed to be sprinkling when we go out there, and you're going to get wet anyway. So um, baptisms here uh, at Andy Romano Park at 6 o'clock. Uh, Palm Bay will have theirs at the beach. You can see Pastor David, uh, Pastor Michael in Deland's doing his uh, uh, in-house there at Deland. So uh, it, this is the opportunity for you to look at your own life and say, am I ready for God? Am I ready to stand before my Creator? But you have to stop and examine your life because we get so caught up in all that's going on, all the media stuff that's sweeping on around us that we forget, wow, regardless of who's elected president, my soul's still hanging in the balance. Regardless of the economy, my soul is still hanging in the balance. Regardless of what goes on on TV tonight or who becomes the next Supreme Court justice, my marriage is still hanging in the balance. That's why the prophet Haggai said, this is the whole, the whole story was written off, is off of this one verse. He said, therefore, bring it, you got Haggai 1.5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. If you saw the story last week, a guy was impersonating a um, Orlando police officer. The mistake he made, he pulled over an off-duty Orlando police officer. <laughs> you see, if you're faking this Christianity, sooner or later you'll be exposed. And I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want it to happen to any of us. I want us to be right where God wants us to be. One more lesson and we'll finish, okay? I want to show you, I want to show you your ear. This is what's going on inside your ear. There's a few of you doctors here that truly understand this. That's all the, the pieces and, and parts that have to be just in the right place and working flawlessly for you and me to be able to hear. To hear highs and lows, to be able to hear different individuals and, and, and how which voice is which. All right. Evolution says that what you see right there used to be the jawbone of a reptile. And over enough time, bones out of the jaw of an alligator grew into this. And you think, I have faith. Now, I'm going to show you one more thing. All right? Take your hands, put them in the air, put them beside like this. How many of you have two ears? 
evolution was so good, it had to develop both sides at the same time. Give that some thought. Consider your ways. Give careful thought. I don't know any better lead into communion than that statement. So I'm going to ask you to pick up your... I don't know if we'll ever get away from these things or not. Um, and I know they're difficult. But if you'll take the, the top piece off, you'll get to the bread. At home, whatever you've got, uh, feel free. doesn't matter. Pretzels and orange juice will work just fine. Um, it's, it's not what it is. It's what it represents. And the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, beaten, bloodied, given up as a sacrifice for our sins. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul goes into detail about this, he says, consider your life before you eat this. The cup represents the blood that was sacrificed. It's a new covenant. So let's take the bread together. And then Jesus said, take this cup as the remembrance of a new covenant. Lord Jesus, we thank you that rather than just destroy us, you teach us. You teach us to take some time and rethink, to consider how we're acting, how we're treating one another, how we treat you and to get things back in perspective. So, Father, today we commit to considering our ways before an all-holy God. In Jesus' name, amen.